Before we get started, I just want to say thank you to Stephanie Harlow for making some of the most extensive research deep dive on this case. I watched Stephanie Harlow's three-hour, two-part series on the soap maker of Correggio, and that thing blew my freaking mind, okay? The amount of extensive research that she goes into, the way that she tells the story. If you guys don't know, Stephanie Harlow is an amazing true crime YouTuber, and she always has such good information that she goes in-depth with in her videos. If you guys really really want to get sucked into it you need to go watch that series it's called the soap maker of Correggio. this little minisode won't even do it justice but let's get started bada bing bada boom it's a minisode and this one is bada gonna bing, be bada boom. <laughs> 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 it's so lame this one's gonna be crazy imagine imagine a serial killer it almost feels like a baking a murder baking a mystery type title which it's kind of like it feels like it's from a movie but it's actually real life it's the fact that this serial killer killer turns her victims into bars of soap so that you could wash your bodies with these bars of soap a soap maker in italy becomes a serial killer and sells soap that's made out of body fat like you know there's a movie about that right what is a classic it's got to be based off of her though really she's famous for this so the movie yeah from what i can remember Uh i watched it in the film class i believe you took a a film class yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) that explains a lot right so i think they just steal like fat from rich people you know rich people they suck your fat out of your body yeah to make you skinny yeah yeah like liposuction (laughs) yeah is that what they do yeah 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 yeah. so they broke into these factories to Uh steal the fat from rich people and they make it into soaps sell it to rich people oof Rich people on rich people crime is my favorite. (laughs) That rich on rich crime. (laughs) To the moon. (laughs) To the moon. They don't call it body wash for no reason. Oh, that was a good one. So this is about Italy's first female serial killer. This is kind of an olden day story. Don't click out because honestly, you need to know about it. This is absolutely marbles. Her name was Leonardo Ciancelli. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm going to try. So what she would do is she would kill women, turn them into cakes like biscuits, cookies, cakes. And then she would have these little luncheons where all of her friends would come over. They would eat these bloody cakes. They would literally be made from blood of her victims. And then she also created soaps and body washes i mean she just took it to another level and in this situation i feel like usually we're like well let's talk about leonardo's life like what's her childhood like what made her go down the career path of i don't know killing women and then turning them into bars of soap we gotta start with her mom because this is a completely fascinating story in the most tragic way possible so amelia dinolfi um this is leonardo's mom and she was born in the town of mantella italy which is known for their chestnuts um i hear it's a very beautiful small town but i feel like that's every town in Italy they're always like it's a beautiful small town Mm -hmm. it has beautiful mountains in the surrounding areas and Amelia her family was really well off like they were religious they had a lot of influence in that town they were well Mm -hmm. respected and Amelia was known to not only be coming from this family of just wealth and prestige and uh, you know status Mm -hmm. but she was fucking pretty she was beautiful so with her status and her beauty people just thought she had unlimited opportunity in picking husbands like she could marry way above her own class you know the Mm -hmm. ultra rich because of her beauty and so back in the day what they would do is that you would have tons of suitors now what's very fascinating is that you would go on these dates but you would have to have a chaperone to meet with these dates so even if you're like 15 and you're like going on dates looking for your future husband because back in the day like the life expense expectancy was like what 40 something 
50 something mm-hmm. okay no i think it was like 60s maybe <laughs> <laughs> but like you would get married really really quickly yeah. and you would need a chaperone to be there with you so that they could promise everyone that your virtue was still intact meaning like there would be an old lady at all of your dates making sure y'all don't do it Mm. so that they know that you're a virgin on your wedding night because that is so important, right? So one day, Emilio was meeting up with a suitor in his gated estate and there was a chaperone there and they were like, hey, do, you know, now that you're going home, do you want us to take you home in our little car or carriage, whatever? Like, what do you want? And Emilio was like, you know what? It's a nice summer day. I'm just going to walk home. Like, my house is just down the village. Like, it's not that far. It's a scenic walk. It's going to be okay. The sun is still out. And so she proceeded to leave the gated estate by herself and just walk home right Mm -hmm. now there was a man by the name of mariano ciancelli i'm gonna call him the rapist from now on i'm not gonna remember his name okay so he had been watching her for a while he had this thing towards amelia so first of all he was in his 40s and she was probably like 14 or 15 during this time and he had this obsession with amelia dinolfi for multiple reasons the first being that i mean she was beautiful there were tons of suitors looking at her there were so many men who wanted to marry her right Mm -hmm. but second he was so upset like he is an unemployed poor man who came from an equally poor family in the village they lived in the poorest part of town and she was just this rich little girl who had everything handed to her and he would never get to date her he would never get to talk to her because of her status of where she came from so it was almost like this resentment and also just insane infatuation he was just a freaking creep so he had been watching her for multiple days at this point just stalking around town Mm -hmm. and uh, on that day he had followed her to the estate and he had seen her walk in with her suitor do their little suit and things you know Mm -hmm. and he chugged a cheap bottle of wine outside and then saw that she was walking home alone and thought that okay well this is my moment and so he drags her into the nearby empty fields and he starts raping her now here's the crazy thing back in the day they didn't really teach people about sex. Like, there was no sex education class. Girls really didn't go to school. Like, if anything, girls learned how to be a good hostess Mm -hmm. and um, how to, like, I don't know, make fucking flower arrangements or some shit like that. But Mm -hmm. they didn't really have, like, a school education. So there was no one to teach them about, hey, this is how babies are made. Hey, this is how you do it, right? Mm -hmm. So she actually had no idea what was about to happen to her. Um, He dragged her into the fields and he starts kind of, like, pulling up her dress and she kept telling him that she doesn't have any money. She genuinely thought that he was trying to like grab for a purse or some money and she was just like I don't have any money on me and then he raped her and he just walked away and left her in the field so she laid in the field for hours just in confusion in shock in pain finally she walks home and she immediately just like gets into bed doesn't even change out of her clothes just completely traumatized the next morning there's blood everywhere on her clothes her thighs and even though she had no idea what sex was she was immediately just felt shame she just felt like this is something that you can't tell anyone that has happened because not they're not even going to feel sympathy for you they're just going to look at you like you're dirty Mm -hmm. and so she just did not tell anyone did not tell her parents and just acted like nothing happened cleaned herself up proceeded with the day but she was still traumatized from this so like every day this is a small town she would see him out and about she would go to the market she would go meet up with her suitors and he's like the town drunk is kind of how people phrase it so he's always roaming the streets just drinking cheap wine like just being an absolute 
rapist douche face right and so she would constantly see him and she had nobody to talk to about any of this like imagine being 16 and going through this and you don't you just can't even talk about it mm-hmm. it's insane now months pass and there were servants working in the Denofi house like they're that rich so they've got tons of servants and they're the ones like cleaning up all the bed sheets cleaning up the bathrooms and like back in the day like I said they didn't have like birth control they didn't have like you know tampons and so a lot of the times when girls would get their periods it would just kind of like leak onto the bed it would be all over the bathroom a lot of the times right and the servants would clean it up once a month because it happens every month but they had noticed that she hadn't had her period in months they were like i don't remember the last time that i cleaned up any like bloody bed sheets mm-hmm. you know so they go to the denofi parents and they're like hey uh, your daughter's not bleeding like is she pregnant could she be pregnant we don't know it's just very suspicious mm-hmm. so the parents they approach amelia and they're like which one did it to you which suitor which respectable man from a respectable family disrespected you like that who took your virtue who took your virtue and so amelia at first is like i don't know what you're talking about i've never done it like i don't know like what you're talking about like this doesn't make any sense nobody disrespected my virtue i don't even know what that means and then the dad was like i'm gonna go out there and knock on every fucking suitor's door and demand to know who stole the virtue of my daughter right and so finally amelia confesses to everything she's like i was walking home alone after that date and i was dragged into a field and this old guy you know the town drunk he raped me all of these things happened and now what do you expect the parents to do like go arrest the dude yeah i thought so too like go arrest the dude go throw a fit i mean you're talking about an influential family they could probably get him arrested they could probably get him i don't know sent away do all these crazy things they didn't track him down they didn't kill him they didn't do any of this they invited the rapist and his family over for dinner because the only way that this pregnancy didn't destroy the family reputation is for them to get married what so the decision was made by mariano the rapist his parents by the way he's like 40 okay and amelia's parents everyone decided that she was to marry him she did not have a choice in any of this amelia was forced to marry her rapist i mean how do you explain such thing i mean yeah so they kind of explained it to everyone as if they like fell in love or something oh yeah so he oh because i think maybe some back in the days like she can't be married to anyone else or nobody else would want to marry her yeah so mariano the rapist he's so excited i mean Mm -hmm. not only did he commit this really atrocious crime and he's getting away with it like he's not even going to jail for it or getting any sort of punishment but he's actually getting rewarded now he gets to marry this girl of high status now that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to become high status it's actually the opposite you become the status of your husband so it's not like he's moving into this beautiful home it's the fact that she's getting kicked out of the house and moved into the poorest part of the town so it's not that yeah so it's not even that but it's the fact that he gets to run around town and say look this my bitch because that's the type of guy he was so the parents just kind of abandoned her they abandoned her completely so she was kicked out of her house she had servants she had all these beautiful things she had to leave all of that move to the poorest part of town where she was expected to use an outdoor bathroom that she shared with the neighborhood people it was like a hole in the ground and everyone just like shat in the hole in the ground 
Yeah. Okay. So it's really intense. I mean, it's a complete lifestyle change, first of all. Secondly, she doesn't even know this guy. Like, this guy is not a suitor. She didn't go on dates with him. It's not a family friend that she feels like she can trust. And most importantly, this is her literal rapist. The guy that's responsible for the most traumatic, painful thing that has ever happened to her. And now he's her freaking husband. Mm -hmm. So their first night together as husband and wife, he raped her repeatedly and kept raping her throughout their entire marriage. She did never, she never wanted to have sex with him okay which completely understandable right and it was just disgusting he didn't want to get a job and he was really impatient with amelia so i know that a lot of people aren't going to have a lot of compassion for her right now because it's like well i mean everyone has to do chores right but amelia grew up in a household where she had servants since the day that she was born Mm -hmm. and because she was of that status it was expected that whoever she married had the same amount or more servants Mm -hmm. so there would never be any need for her to waste her time learning how to do the dishes learning Mm -hmm. how to do the laundry and so no one was teaching her but she was just suddenly expected to do it while she's pregnant so she's freaking confused she's trying to learn how to do these dishes she doesn't know like she keeps breaking dishes and he would beat her violently while she was pregnant because she would break a dish or didn't do the laundry correctly any of these things he would beat her he would rape her then he would go out drinking sometimes he wouldn't even come home for days and he would brag around town he literally told all of the other friends that he would get drunk with guys this is the way you do it if you see someone that's unattainable of higher status obviously you can't become their suitor because their parents would never allow you to date someone of that status because we're broke bitches so what you do is you rape them you rape them get them pregnant and the parents will feel so much shame that they will give you their daughter as if like women are just possessions so he was like that's how you get a wife And all of the guys were like, yeah, that's how we get a wife. And Amelia was completely thrown out by her family and high society in Italy. They didn't want anything to do with her. So the way that high society talked about it, like all of Amelia's former friends, family friends, family members, they didn't never they never talked about the rape. They just talked about if you don't want to fall from grace, marry a proper man and don't sleep around. So everyone phrased it as if, you know, Amelia was just sleeping around with people and ended up getting pregnant by like a broke guy. And that was her fall from grace. Nobody ever mentioned the fact that she was raped. Because the parents never told anyone, right? So it just made it seem like, oh, well, she's just married to him and we don't really talk to her anymore. And so everyone Mm. just assumed, oh, like that little girl was sleeping around. And also on the other side of the spectrum, the poor families that she was now surrounded by, Mm -hmm. they had no sympathy for her. They knew that she was raped because Mm -hmm. he was going around town talking about it Mm -hmm. um, amongst, you know, his people. It sounds really weird to say that, but like you get it Mm -hmm. Um, amongst, you know, this community. And they didn't care. They were like, well, that's what you get for being a spoiled little bitch like they were just like Mm -hmm. born with the silver spoon this is your fall from grace why would i have any sympathy for you and so there was just nobody in this entire town that she could talk to that even cared about what she had gone through if anything it made it seem like hey this is all your fault so like everything's still the same i guess (laughs) for rape victims they're like this is all your fault okay and so she finally gives birth to a daughter by the name of leonarda Ciancelli. yes now we're back to the soap lady okay now Amelia, when this baby is born, I would love to say that she just has like this motherly bone. She was like, oh, my God, this is my baby, you know, mm-hmm. but she didn't. She like looked at this baby and was like, you are the reason that I lost everything. Like you're the reason that I lost my family, my friends, my high status, everything. If I had just gotten raped and didn't get pregnant, then I would still be there. I wouldn't have to tell anyone. I would still marry someone else. But like you were the freaking reason. Mm-hmm. And she hated this baby. And she had to look at this baby every day and face the fact that this baby is the reason that she technically 
technically lost everything, which like I'm not agreeing with this thought process. The society is the reason she lost everything plus Mariano. <sighs> I mean, I can see that she's so young mm-hmm. and, you know, there's so much trauma that she's not categorizing correctly. So she's just putting it on this baby. And now babies aren't the most understanding when they pop out. They're not going to be like, hey, mom, are you tired? Like, I'm going to just take a chill pill. Like, they're just going to keep crying. They're going to keep you up at night. They don't care that you just push them out of their vag and like they're recovering from all of this. They're just going to keep crying. And so Leonardo, she's crying all night. Amelia staying up all night. She's upset. She doesn't even know how to take care of a baby. So back in the day, you know, all these rich families, they had nannies. And Amelia herself was raised by like a group of nannies. So how would she know how to change a diaper? Mm -hmm. And so she slowly starts resenting her more and more and more. And life keeps getting harder. And everything was a reminder at this point that this baby and this pregnancy is the reason her life is shitty. So Leonardo obviously had a shitty childhood. She was physically abused all the time. She was verbally abused all the time. She had no love, no affection, no hugs, none of that. She was constantly bullied by both of her parents. And Amelia made sure to let Leonardo know you're the reason that my life is fucked. Like every day she would wake up and be like, good morning. You're the reason I woke up in this place. Like it's just really intense. So she starts raising this baby. And now Mariano, fatherhood did not do shit to the rapist. Like he didn't get softer. He didn't suddenly turn into a law abiding citizen. He continued to waste the little money that they had on drinking. And one day he just like doesn't come home for days. I believe at this point, Leonardo was maybe like five or six years old, right? For the first couple of days, Amelia doesn't care that he hasn't come home because it always happens. But eventually she's like, oh, my husband really is missing. So she goes around town and she's like, hey guys, have you uh, seen my husband? Mm -hmm. And one of his drinking buddies is like, oh yeah, he's in my house right now. She walks into the house and he He's knocked out with a high fever in a comatose state. So she's like, okay, well, why don't you guys help move him back to our place so that I can take care of him because I'm a loving wife. And so all of the drinking buddies are like, for sure, for sure. So they help carry this comatose man, the rapist, back into his home. And then Amelia just proceeds to fucking forget about him. She was like, bye, and just left him to die on the bed. So her thinking was, if he wakes up, fine, whatever. We're just gonna act like this never happened. If he doesn't wake up, then he's dead, which means Mm. I'm a widow, which means I can get married again. And they, I don't even think they had money for a doctor, to be honest, but it seemed more like it was a choice for her. She just didn't care about him. Honestly, could you blame her? And so he ends up dying. Yeah, he does end up dying. They have a funeral. Now, Leonardo doesn't remember anything about her dad other than the fact that she remembers like a couple of beatings that he gave her. But Mm -hmm. she does remember at the end of the funeral, after everybody left, her mother spat on his grave and said, good fucking riddance. Like something along those lines. And in Italian. (laughs) And then they just like left. Okay. Now, this point, Amelia is freaking ecstatic. She's like, yes. Okay. We're just going to ignore like the past five years. Like I still look good. Like I still look hot. I still got my looks. You know, I'm still young technically like what she's like in her early 20s max she's Uh like i got it all i'm gonna take my baby i'm gonna go back to my family's house and i'm gonna knock on the door they're gonna find me a new suitor and i'm gonna go on these little chaperone dates and i'm gonna marry a new man maybe the new man that i marry is not gonna be you know the craziest most respectable family in town but at least like a middle to upper class dude you know Mm -hmm. and so she goes to her family's house and they're just like listen (sighs) 
our society, our high society has just stopped talking about your scandals. So like if you come back, then the rumors are going to start up again and our reputation would just be ruined and we can't really risk it. So you got to go. And they just slammed the door shut on their faces. And Amelia was like, what the fork? Now she's completely alone. Not only is she alone and a single mom, but it's the fact that women didn't have job job opportunities back in the day. So like, how is she going to make money to support her and this child? Mm -hmm. Not that she cared about the child. And so Amelia was like, okay, I'm going to marry a middle class man. Like, it's not going to be the best man or upper class. I'm not going to have like the luxuries that I used to have. I'm not going to have servants, but at least I won't get raped and beaten. And at least I'll have good food and it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And so she starts going on all these dates with these middle class men and they really, really liked her. And she thought her pro was that she's beautiful. She's charming, but she was trained like an upper class woman, which is a lot of money back in the day, you know, to get all these trainings to like, I don't know, fucking poor tea, okay? And so she was like, I am a catch. And so everyone went on these dates with her. But again, they always said she's a fun time, but she's just not a respectable woman. No single mother who is a widow is a respectable, marryable woman, even in the middle class. You know, that's what they said. Even in our class, lady, you got to get out of here. And so she starts hanging out with some illegal people. Um, I'm talking guys that were involved in like organized crime, like think like the Italian mafia, but on a tiny scale. So they were con men, mob people, thieves they just live like a dangerous life yeah she just really got into it because they did have money you know they mm-hmm. had illegal money and they were very frivolous to spend it they're like the people that uh easy come easy go like more like let's say five dollars comes in they'll spend ten type of people so she just marries one of them and she didn't think that this was her future she was just like hey this is my meal ticket for right now like i just need a shelter and then maybe i'll figure it out Mm -hmm. and he had bought her tons of beautiful clothes like these crazy lavish gifts Mm -hmm. and leonardo was just left at home all the time so she's like five or six and she would have to feed herself her parents would go out on these crazy fancy dinners and just like leave her to just try to find some food somewhere and she was constantly by herself she was considered baggage for most of them and amelia would still constantly tell her how annoying she is and just how much she hates her so by the age of 13 years old she tries to take her own life she made a noose from bed sheets and she tried to hang herself from the ceiling but the knots like they came untied and uh she fell she crushed and bruised her vocal cords and her entire body was like bruised up because it wasn't like a small little stool that she fell off of and she couldn't talk for a week because of her vocal cords they were bruised and her mom didn't even notice like her mom didn't even ask like hey why is your red like neck red like why can't you talk hey why are you so bruised up like she didn't even care then a year later she tried to commit suicide again and failed again so she was super miserable she was so depressed but because she was a approaching her teenage years she did have her mother's good looks Mm. that's what everyone said she was beautiful and so suddenly as they would go through town everyone would say oh my god leonardo's so beautiful leonardo's so beautiful and amelia amelia started caring for her daughter because she was like wait a minute wait a minute Mm -hmm. This could be my meal ticket. She could marry a respectable man who's young. She's young. She's attractive. She does have connections with the high society. She is of the Dinoffi line. You -hmm. know, even though I had a fall from grace, she still is just this young, innocent girl with her virtue intact. Mm -hmm. And so I could get her a respectable husband. And, you know, I think it's still common to this day. Like if you marry into like a better family, a lot of the times they will take care of like your parents. Right. Um, just like mm-hmm. make sure that they're 
not starving. And Amelia was like, this is great. So she starts going scouting. So what they would do back in the day is they wouldn't just like be like, hey, who do you like? The parents would do everything behind the scenes. So the Mm -hmm. parents would go on these crazy luncheons, these like matchmaking tours. And they'd be like, "Okay, like, tell me the specs about your son. And then they'd be like, tell me the specs about your daughter. And they would be like, "Okay, so this is going to be like their first date. And then, oh, okay, then he's going to be dating this girl for a minute because, you know, they would do everything. So she became part of that crowd where she was scouting for potential suitors for Leonardo. Now, she did this without ever telling Leonardo that she was doing this, not because she thought Leonardo would be against it, but she didn't really care for her opinion. Like it's it didn't even cross her mind. You know, it's like when you when you bring your kid to the doctor's office, like, are you going to ask your kid if like they want to go? Like, you're just like, you got to go. Let's go. So that was kind of the situation. And so she starts talking to all of these people. And a lot of the moms were interested, you know, I wouldn't say there were maybe as high status as who Amelia was being scouted with, Mm -hmm. but they were pretty high status. They had money, they had servants, they had a respectable family. And so these doors just start opening up and she started really enjoying this attention she was getting. She's back in high society being the mom of a sought after young lady. So like they're trying to woo the parents, you know, all of these young men's parents are like buying her gifts to be like, we would love to set our children up with you, you know? And so she was going to these ladies luncheons, these brunches, and she just was having so much fun that she didn't even want to set her up that quickly. She was like, the longer this lasts, the more fun that I'll have. Now, during this time, Leonardo starts falling in love with someone by the name of Raphael Panzari. He was older. He was, I believe, I think he was like a widower or something. He was a low paid government clerk and he was super nice, but he was super broke and she just didn't care because she was like at least he's stable and not abusive and not a rapist and not a beater and it's gonna be fine like I I think I love him so he proposes and she accepts so she skips on home and she's like oh my god mother you'll never guess I'm finally out of your house because you freaking hate me anyway so I'm getting married to Raphael and Amelia was so pissed off now you would think that Amelia would be like listen I'm pissed off because I've been working my ass off trying to get you a suitor trying to get you an upper class suitor come on dude Mm -hmm. you know you would think that she would say all of this but instead Amelia Amelia was like um no if you ever marry this guy I'm never gonna approve of it so of course what do you think Leonardo is thinking do you think that she's sitting there thinking oh it's because my mom wants me to do better no Leonardo is like my mom is so evil she wants me to stay in this house so she can use me as her punching bag so that she can continue to psychologically torture me she will never be happy for me she will never be a good mom so you know what fork you mom I'm leaving and Amelia curses Leonardo and says you will live a miserable life until the day that you die and then that was the last words she ever spoke to her never went to the wedding they would bump into each other because like I said it's a small town Mm -hmm. would never speak to her ever again now here's the part that's forked up Leonardo believes in superstitions that's how she was raised her mom always believed in curses supernatural stuff like rituals she always told her daughter that these are real and so now she fully believes that she's cursed and it's just like lingering in the back of her mind every single day and it it just kind of came like a self-fulfilling prophecy that's how I think curses work so a lot of the times I do get asked because we do like these cases on witchcraft I believe so much like minds are so powerful so I believe if someone cursed me I wouldn't necessarily believe in the curse itself but like knowing my stupid ass brain it would be a self-fulfilling prophecy (laughs) it'd be like yeah for sure (laughs) and so Leonardo tried really hard in her marriage like she wanted it to be perfect she wanted to be the perfect wife but she had a lot of self-hate like anytime she messed up the chores even a little bit she would start having full-on mental breakdowns 
and her husband was like hey like it's okay like you like the laundry's fine and she would continue to cry she always considered herself a failure and just felt like she was never good enough and eventually it even started fucking with her physical health so she would have these like violent seizures she had insomnia wow. she she had i mean i i wouldn't diagnose her but like i feel like she's she's got some crazy anxiety like off the charts now she did want a ton of children so she was kind of like the opposite of her mom she's like listen my mom sucked ass so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have kids and i'm gonna treat them so well i'm gonna have a ton of them and i'm gonna be the best mom that this town has ever fucking seen i may not have money but i'm gonna be an amazing mom so since the day that they got married they've been trying to conceive and Mm -hmm. every time it just like wouldn't work like she just wouldn't get pregnant and Mm -hmm. so finally there was like this traveling fair that was coming through the village and part of this fair they had fortune tellers that was that were going to be there Mm -hmm. and so a lot of people were excited um you know leonardo was excited and she goes she sits down on the chair and before she even lets the fortune teller read her palms she does a huge red flag she's like listen fortune teller i don't want you to be that alarmed because i'm like a cursed woman i have a curse on me yeah my mom cursed me so like when you read my hands you'll probably see it just don't be alarmed by this black (laughs) magic and so of course the fortune teller is like you don't say give me your hands takes a long look at them and says oh man oh man leonardo you're not gonna die but you will live very long and it'll be a very sad life you'll actually outlive all of your children oh my god and this is like her one dream is to like be a good mom and to be a like have a good family right Mm -hmm. and so she's like what are you talking about oh my god is this why i haven't been getting pregnant because it's my mom's curse and so she goes on and she's like oh my god the curse is real the curse is real she has more seizures she has worse insomnia she has more anxiety attacks and then finally she gets pregnant so she's so scared of this curse that she's so anxious has more seizures during her pregnancy and she lost the baby three months into her pregnancy which which then again only reinforced the curse in her brain so mm-hmm. Raphael at this point he's like listen we should get out of town like this you keep talking about this curse that your mom has set on you like let's just get out of this town then we'll start fresh I can find a clerical job that probably pays more in a different town like slightly bigger town and you know it, it'll be okay mm-hmm. and it was kind of hard for them they were really tight on money because she couldn't get a job so not only were there not a lot of job opportunities but like maybe if she could have been a servant that could have eased the financial pressure but i mean she was just having seizures all the time like there was just no way she could hold down a job so they go back to Raphael's hometown and this place is even more beautiful than the first place like this place has a warm climate it's beautiful it's like on the side of a cliff it looks like um and his family lived there and they loved her the extended family loved her so like the mother-in-law the dad-in-law just like brought her in open arms and she got pregnant this was like her miracle baby so during the entire pregnancy she wasn't even nauseous like it was so smooth so easy her family Raphael's family came every day to take care of her it just was the best pregnancy ever so she gives birth to a son by the name of Giuseppe he's like that that makes sense <laughs> that is a very Italian name yes <laughs> and she has this new obsession now not to be the perfect wife but mm-hmm. to be the perfect mom she would stand up all night over his cradle just watching him sleep like all night and she started having seizures again because she was so stressed out about something we now call like sudden infant death syndrome SIDS which like infants will die in their sleep suddenly and it's very traumatizing for parents I'm sure but you know back in the day it was much more common because there's a lot more diseases there's a lot less 
plus, like the mortality rate for kids was really, really low. Mm. It was to the point where a lot of families um, in the 1800s, they wouldn't even get attached to all the children until they like hit like maybe 15. They're like, oh, you're going to live. Like, I'm going to start loving you now because I know you're going to live. Because like when they're seven, it's like you want to love them. But like, what if they die tomorrow? You don't want to be traumatized, right? So it's kind of like this. That's a way to raise kids. <laughs> that's a re- Treat that's a it way. as if um, <laughs> like a numbers just die game. Now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we never know. Okay, yeah. so I'll I'll withhold the love and affection until you're 18 and the next Ted Bundy. Okay, <laughs> it'll be great. And so she starts having these seizures. They have tons of financial anxiety, which only worsens her seizures. And she gets pregnant 17 times in this town. She had three miscarriages. 14 of them were actually birthed. 10 of them died before they reached adulthood. Seven of them actually died before they were three years old. His mouth is wide open. So how many's left? One? Um, Four. Oh my God. Yeah. So she'll get pregnant more after this hometown. But she ends up with um, four kids, I believe. A family of six. So her, her husband and four kids. Holy cow. Okay, so that makes sense. I mean, that's yeah. just... I mean, yeah. what kind of trauma is that? You thought I was kidding. He was like, oh, yeah, that's a cute way to raise kids. Hee hee ha ha. And I'm like, so all of them died. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was that bad. And so she thought the curse was coming back. She's like, oh, my God, what's happening? So again, everything starts getting worse. Her physical health starts getting worse. Most of her children died because they got some sort of sickness before mm. they were three years old. So she became like a tiger mom. Her children were also living really miserably because she was a tiger mom. They weren't allowed to go outside and hang out with other toddlers. So they were just stuck at home completely isolated, like quarantined before 2021, just inside the house. If they were hanging out inside the house and one of them accidentally fell, Mm -hmm. she would have like a full-blown panic attack and she would just watch them sleep for days. Like she wouldn't go to sleep. She would just stand at their door watching them in their bed sleep multiple nights in a row because she was like, that bruise is going to kill my kid. It was really bad. Now, Raphael and his family, they did try to help, but they just didn't know, like, how? Like, what how, What can you... Like, you can't even be like, it's going to be okay because it's not. Like, you can't even assure that it's going to be okay. And mm-hmm. so Leonardo, at this point, has to get a job because so many kids mean so much more money. And at one point, you know, they were alive, so they were eating a lot and they were, you know using up finances so Raphael says I secured you a cleaning job at the bank and here's the best part it's an overnight cleaning job so I work during the day you stay at home and then at night all of me and the kids are just gonna be sleeping what bad could come when we're sleeping Mm -hmm. and you go to the bank and you don't have to talk to anyone it's closed and -hmm. you just clean and we will have much more money so she eventually ends up enjoying the job she um, is an introvert so she liked the fact that nobody else was there Mm -hmm. cleaning calm her anxiety a lot so she would just clean 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 she also loved learning about like different chemicals that could help her clean like i think it was just really satisfying for her she was on clean talk you know what i mean and even though both parents were working it still wasn't a great wage like they were paycheck to paycheck essentially and then the worst thing possible happened her 10th child died while she was at work Mm. he died in his sleep so she comes home and they tell her about her son and instead of like falling apart like everyone expected, everyone expected her to be a complete mess, understandably, right? Yeah. But um, she became very determined. She was like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay, guys. Everything is going to be okay. 
Yeah, she was like eerily calm and everyone's like, what the fuck? And so she decided, I just need to make a lot more money so that I can move my family to the countryside because in the countryside, there's fresh air and less disease, you know? So we're going to live just in an open field with not a lot of people completely isolated. I just need the money to buy some land in the countryside, right? So -hmm. she goes to the bank at night and because she's a cleaning lady, she doesn't have access to the bank vault or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but she does have access to the books. So she starts writing in her own shit. She literally like made the record show that suddenly she had an account with a balance in it at this bank. So then the next day she goes to the bank to withdraw the money that she had fake written into their books. Uh-huh. And she's like, I do have an account here. The account number is blah, 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 blah. And I should have like this much money in there. And yeah. I want to, I want to take out all the money. Right. Yeah. And the bank, they just kind of like laughed at her. They were like, how do you even think that you would get away with this? Like, what are you doing? And so they called the cops I'm sure they ran to the cops and she was arrested and charged and sentenced to one and a half years in prison. Oh, man. I thought she was like really clever. (laughs) You're like, oh, my God, Leonardo. Hacked the the system. (laughs) She said to the moon, Wall Street bets. Okay. Instead, she wrote. (laughs) She wrote one million (laughs) dollars. And her name. Check. <laughs> and so at this point, prison for women was completely different in Italy. It was actually church controlled. So there wasn't a lot of female prisoners. So it was controlled by the church and by a group of nuns. And nuns are not known to be, they're very nice. They're very, you know, strong in their faith, but they're very disciplined. Mm-hmm. Like they're known to be very disciplinary. That's kind of just like their lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was run by nuns and they controlled the female prisoners and they worked them to the bone. They got free labor. So again, I guess nothing has changed. And there was no regulation of any sorts. Um, if this was worse than male prisons, they would even just like tackle on more years to your sentence if you just didn't agree with them. Like if they were like, hey, how religious are you? And you're like, um, a little bit. They'd be like, fucking, you're staying for another year. And it'd be like, what? I don't, what do you, what's happening? But she was released on time because, you know, she was used to having a crazy mom and she just kind of used those tactics of staying low, keeping her head, keeping her tail between her legs and just doing her chores. So the nuns actually really liked her. So they released her on time. Now, when she gets back home 18 months later, Raphael had lost his job because of her bank incident. Like, it's a small town. No one's going to be like, oh, well, you and your wife are completely separate people. It was like, what kind of person are you that you married a con woman? And so his family didn't want anything to do with him either. They were just like, listen, we saved up and we're going to give you all of our life savings, but you got to get out of town. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just best that we just act like we don't know each other anymore. Mm -hmm. So they gave them what little money that they had and they skipped town and they moved all over again and they started renting a house over a river and they started becoming very happy. So everything seemed to be getting better for Leonardo. Raphael gets a better clerking job. Leonardo stays home all day with the kids. They even have a safe yard that the kids can play in. So it's like ultra amazing. And everything seemed super peaceful. Now that's when she decides to go to the fortune teller in town. <laughs> Leonardo, no. And so the fortune teller is like, let me see your palms. I'm going to read your palms. And she says, in the right hand, I see prison. And in the left, I see the mental asylum. 
Now, this is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I have never read. There's a book on this entire case. I have never read something that was more in my brain of like, oh my God, this is really a self-fulfilling prophecy. So mental asylums back in the day were actually even scarier than prison because she had just gotten out of a very creepy prison. But mental asylums were just kind of places where people would stick the unwanted from society. Like they weren't even mentally ill most of the time. Sometimes they would just be like, I don't know, maybe, you know, signs that they were gay or asexual or depressed or like kind of sad or sometimes they would be sent to a mental asylum if they were caught masturbating and they were like that's a mental illness masturbation so there you go the rest of your life in this mental asylum Hmm. it was just weird okay they would just stick them into this building and let them die in their own filth like that was a mental asylum so she starts freaking out at this point and she gets pregnant again and she gives birth to another child and now the seizures come back because she couldn't even hold and she was not a good mom at this point she wouldn't even hold her children because she was scared that she would have a seizure and drop them Now, babies need a lot of physical love. That's like the whole thing. There's so much like psychology behind it that I wish I could get into one day. But she just didn't get emotionally attached to any of them because she thought they were going to die. Now, every night she would put her children down. They would go to sleep and she would just walk off into the village. She started hanging out with like the fortune teller group. She started asking questions about rituals. She started studying everything that was of the occult rituals, how to get rid of curses. This kind of became her new obsession. She was like, you know what? I'm not going to get emotionally attached to my kids until they know how to get rid of this curse. And during this time, a couple months pass and the harvest festival comes around, which is like a a time where everyone in the village goes to the fields so that they can harvest. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means. But they like work side by side in the fields and then they just like play and drink at night and then they go to sleep on the fields. And Mm -hmm. it's like a whole village thing. And I I mean, it's free labor, but I think maybe you reap the benefits later. I don't know how it works, right? What do you mean? They like harvest the fields, yeah, the just, whole village. Yeah. yeah, you just harvest all the... But is it like owned by the village? Yeah. So like, like you get a little bit of food later? No, isn't that everybody has their field usually? Oh, I don't know. But like yeah. they were all working side by side, just like a community yeah. effort. And sometimes when it's ready to harvest, you mm-hmm. have to harvest it very quickly. Oh. Otherwise, they may go bad. Are you a farmer? <laughs> like, no, how do you just know how, That's my grandparents. Uh, oh, yeah. His grandparents are so good with stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even keep just a cactus literally. alive. And so she's out there with all of her family and they're kind of enjoying herself. I mean, she doesn't feel as much pressure because the whole community is there. Everyone's Mm -hmm. just trying to make this a fun experience. And they all go to sleep that night. And there was a fucking earthquake that night. One of the worst in Italy's history. It was a 6.6 magnitude, completely destructive. And Mm -hmm. the crazy thing is because it was the Harvest Festival, most of the residents were sleeping in the fields, which saved most of the lives. And they watched from the field their entire town just crumble. It was just crumbling. They said it was like an earthquake where you felt like the waves. It wasn't even just shaking. It was like this crazy wave. And then they just saw their town crumble to the ground. Wow. And the kids? The kids were safe, but they were, I mean, emotionally destroyed and traumatized, I'm sure, right? So their entire town is destroyed. So her family of six, her husband and her kids, they now have to leave and find a new home. So Mm -hmm. this time they move even further away into this small town. And they they really like this town. I believe it was called like like Correggio. Yeah. They were sleeping outdoor, right? So that saved them. Yeah. But that could be such a good sign, no? Yeah, but she was like, oh my God, it's the curse. (laughs) <laughs> yeah she didn't think right, it i was okay. like a, wow like at least a lot of this village is alive you know yeah. but she was like that's my mom you know 
fucking Amelia back at it again. You know, she was just really upset. And so they move into this small town and they they were really welcoming. Like this town loved this family, which makes this story even more sad. So they were like, oh, my God, it's the, you know, the Raphael and Leonardo. And they knew that they were coming from the place that the earthquake had hit. So they were treated like refugees. They immediately helped Raphael get a clerical job. They helped them rent this house that was connected to like this unused shop next door. So they were like, if you need to use the shop, like you can start selling stuff if you have like a craft, you know, soaps. Um, you know, <laughs> she's living in this apartment and Leonardo at first she hated everyone. She was just super depressed. Like people would come over and bring food. They would bring clothes for the family and she would just stare at a wall. Like the ladies remember her just staring at walls, just acting like they don't even exist. Now the rest of the family, they were well loved by the community and the woman, they did not give up. They kept trying with Leonardo. They were like, it's okay. Obviously she's depressed. She has every reason to be. So we're going to keep on trying. We're going to keep on trying. They kept inviting her to all these lunches, these brunches, and they would would just talk mad shit about their husbands they were like they suck and leonardo would offer up some helpful advice because you know despite everything Raphael was a very caring husband like he never left her side he stuck with her through everything and so she had a pretty good I wouldn't say it was like the best romantic relationship in spite of everything it was good you know Mm -hmm. and so she started giving them advice of like well this this might make the relationship a little bit better and Mm -hmm. then these women they would take that advice they would go home try it and sure enough it would work Mm -hmm. so they started kind of coming to her for advice they were like you're like the queen of advice and she felt like this was incredibly fulfilling like people needed her now like people wanted to be around her people wanted to listen to what she had to say Mm -hmm. and she would even do things like write poetry and she would read it to her friends at like luncheons and they would just like clap (laughs) (laughs) and then she'd be like thank you thank you so much right Uh and people said it was beautiful and so she's like okay i want to start something like i want to become someone now so she starts deciding to sell things out of the shop right next to her house and she decided it was going to be soap she just likes soap. You know, she has a lot of knowledge of chemicals because of her cleaning jobs. Uh. So th- she thinks she can come up with a superior recipe to soap. So she ordered all these fancy perfumes and oils from France and she cleaned the empty store. I mean, she was a perfectionist, if anything. So it was beautifully done, beautifully decorated. And she made a perfect recipe for soap and gave it to all of the friends in the area to try. And they loved it so much so that her grand opening of her soap shop, everyone showed up and they all bought bars of soap. But her soap was so fucking good that she started getting orders from all over Italy from high society women. They were like, have you heard of this woman? Her name is Leonardo. She's like this older Italian woman now. And she's fucking selling soap in this small little town. Yes, she was trending. They were like, we need that soap. okay?" And so she became successful to the point where Raphael could literally stop working. And she still had enough money to support the entire family, plus save for emergencies in the future. So she was she was the breadwinner. She was like, my soap has taken over Italy. At one point, people said she was probably like the diptyque of soaps in Italy. Like she was killing it in the soap department it was crazy and so townspeople not only went to her for soap but they slowly started going for her for advice and palm readings so this town of Correggio was um so everyone in italy was pretty catholic it was during this time it was incredibly religious but some towns were so religious like they were just like the catholic church and nothing else or you die Mm -hmm. and then some towns they were religious yes but they also kind of fancied maybe the supernatural they kind of were intrigued by fortune tellers and they wanted to get their fortune read and Mm -hmm. this was one of those towns so she had this big market of 
people being like, can you read my palms? And she's had a lot of experience with this, right? And so they would go to her, buy some soap, get their palms read. They would pay for that. And she just had, she started collecting. She started collecting books from all over Italy of the occult, of supernatural, of rituals, of spells. And she had one of the biggest collections of magical and supernatural books in Italy at the time. Wow. And she was super proud of it. And she wanted more power, more success, and she wanted to help more people. So she even had pen pals all across Italy that have heard of her. And mm-hmm. um, at one point, she becomes known as like the the front person of protection spells in Italy. Like anywhere you are in Italy, if you needed a protection spell, you would go to the town of Correggio and meet up with Leonardo. Like she was known for this and soap. Kind of a weird combo, but I get it. And so, you know, she had all these pen pals who would write to her and then send her more books mm-hmm. to add her to her collection. And she just had this obsession. So this was kind of like two birds with one stone. So she wanted to get more knowledgeable in magic so that she could finally get rid of the curse because now she's experiencing happiness and she's setting herself up for success. All mm-hmm. she needs to do is get rid of this stupid curse. But mm-hmm. also getting, you know, knowing about this magic made more people come to her. It made her more credible. It made her more rich and more successful and more trusted in the community she even started selling occult things like she would sell these little protection um i don't want to i don't know the word for it but they're like these little cloths and you put herbs specific on what that person needed so like if that person was sad then you would put specific herbs specific stones maybe sometimes a picture of like a a saint in there and then you would sew it up and they would carry it with them everywhere kind of like a talisman like a good luck charm right Mm -hmm. kind of like carrying a crystal something like that right Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get canceled for that i know someone's gonna send me an email that's like just really raging about it i'm sorry but like you get what i'm saying right yeah yeah. and so she would sell that so it became like this weird atmosphere of like business but also for herself but also like she wants to feel needed and it was just too much of it all in this one thing in this one Mm -hmm. pot honestly sounds like something that people would sell on tiktok today i know this whole thing (laughs) sounds so tiktoky like even right now i'm on small business talk and i see so much soap I see so much yeah, soap. Soap and these like yeah, char- like fucking crystals yeah. and stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> I swear. So she starts feeling in control, and it was like this vicious cycle. Like the more that she studied magic, the more she believed the curse exists, and then she would study more. The more she thinks, oh my god, this per- curse is so powerful. How am I going to do this? So mm-hmm. she starts practicing protection spells and starts selling it to customers around the neighborhood, and she's like doing all these spells for everyone people would literally travel all over from italy for these protection smells and Mm -hmm. then world war ii hit now her business didn't crumble but her family life starts crumbling because remember giuseppe her first and oldest son Mm-hmm. Well, he's still alive at this point and he was trying to get away from his mom. Like he was literally the stereotypical, like, I love my mom, but she is overbearing. I don't ever get to go out and hang out with friends like this is crazy. I just want to like grow up for once. Mm-hmm. And he had been trying and trying and trying and there was no way that he could get away from his mom. But if he enlisted in World War Two, it's not like, hey, mom, I hate you. It's like, hey, mom, I'm going to go fight for our country and bring honor to our family, mm-hmm. you know. And so he enlisted without her knowledge. So, like, they would go around to neighborhoods and be like, hey, sign up here to go fight in the war. Mm -hmm. Wow, times were different. (laughs) Times were different, okay? 
Uh-huh. So they were like, hey, sign up here to go to war. And so he wrote his name down, which is a binding contract, and was like, I'm going to go to war. Now, uh-huh. one day she goes to work. Leonardo goes to work and everyone's gathered outside her soap shop. And they're like, oh, my God, Leonardo, you have raised such a good young man. Your family, I since the moment you moved into our town, like we loved you. And your son is so brave. You're so brave. You are the perfect mom. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And they're like, he's going to fight for our country. Mm. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So she rushes home, confirms with him that he joined the war. And she was a fucking wreck because she knew because he wasn't old enough to know what happened in World War One. But she was around. Mm-hmm. So she knew either he's going to die in battle or he's going to come back a dead man. Like he's going to come back a shell of a man is what they said. Like just Aww. a lot of PTSD, like world wars are wow. So either way, she's going to lose her son one way or the other. So she's like, oh, no, not this again. I, this is the this is the curse. And mm-hmm. they're like, what do you mean? This is the curse. And she's like, think about it. This is a character development curse. They want me to feel happy and successful and good. And now they're going to snatch it all away from me. That's the curse. So she starts studying magic more because there was a couple of months before he had to actually go into the army Mm -hmm. and he would be home. So she starts just calmly studying magic. And then she decides that she's going to go into something called like um, alchemy, which is like this, you know, the alchemist is like this whole thing. But Mm -hmm. there's only one rule that's very important. I am so not knowledgeable about alchemy or really anything. Um, Sorry. (laughs) But there was this one rule, which we're pretty familiar with, um, the rule of equal exchange. So in order to obtain something, you have to sacrifice something because that's balance. So in all these movies, you see that if you want to save a life, you have to sacrifice another life. You can't just like make a life come back. Even Vampire Diaries has some shit like that, I think. Okay, (laughs) it's like a theme in life. And so she was like, God damn, like I'm trying to save my child's life. So now I have to sacrifice another life. There's no other way. And Mm -hmm. I think what's fascinating is that she wasn't really a serial killer in the sense that she wanted to kill people. It seemed like she just became one in this desperate attempt to like make this magic thing work. Fun fact, she actually really hated violence. So back then, it was a lot cheaper to buy um, live chickens and then take it home and then kill it and Mm -hmm. then eat the chicken. But she would pay extra so the butcher would kill the chicken for her because she just did not like the sight of blood. Like, it just kind of made her queasy. I'm like that. I hate the sight of blood. My, My knees get wobbly. And it's really weird. And I have to bend them. Anytime I get a paper cut, you'll see me suddenly like kneeling on the ground. And it (laughs) seems dramatic, but it's just like my knees get uncomfortable. I don't know why. And so she's like, well, I need to keep my son alive. So how do I do this? I need to not get caught, though, because I need to make sure that I see the spell through. Because it's not just the fact that she chop, chop, kills somebody. There's a lot of steps to it. It's a Mm -hmm. whole ordeal. So she says, how am I going to do this? Oh, my God, a customer. I have, I mean, people come in and out of my house in this shop every single day. The only way to make sure that I have the time and the privacy to carry out the rest of the smell, a spell is if I commit murder inside my own shop. So she's mm. like, okay, well, let me think of my first victim. So she finally settles on Festina Seti. She was um, in her like late 50s and she had been a customer for over a year. So she was actually really close friends with Leonardo. Wow. And she had never been married. She was a 50-year-old something virgin and she was really upset about it. You know, she really wanted to be married. And men in this area, it's a small town, they were e- either all married or just like wanted to marry someone their own age, like not a 50-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. And so women didn't want to be her friend because they thought that she had a man repelling 
spelling disease that was contagious. So kind of like Corona, but like men are scared of it. So they were like, oh, if we spend too much time with her, we're going to get this men repellent disease and then we can't get married. Mm-hmm. So she just had a really lonely life. Like she didn't have anyone. And she pretty much was paying Leonardo for companionship. Like that was kind of the situation. Like she would go in and be like, read my palms all day. I'll pay you for it. And she would just talk to her about nonsense, you know, like mm-hmm. she was using this as connection. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, this is going to be easy. So Leonardo tells her, hey, I found you a husband. And she's like, what? Yes, Vestima. I have been mailing him. Like we have been mailing, um, corresponding with each other for a while now. And I'm excited for you guys to meet. I even sent him. I mailed him a picture of you, Vestima. And he fell in love. And so she's like, you don't say, really? You don't say. Well, where, where, where does he live? And she's like, well, that's the problem. He's not a local, you know, and um, he does live in a very far village. So you will need to go there to meet him. But wow, he's such a kind man. He's got a good job and he loves you. And so Festima, she's like, OK, like, when do I head out to this town? Like, what do I do? And so Leonardo's like, OK, so this is what you're going to do. You're going to go home, pack up all your stuff. Tomorrow, your journey will come. You're going to come to my place and I'm going to send you off. And you're going to go in this little carriage and go to the far village. Mm-hmm. But you need to letters that I can mail out for you you need to tell your family that you're finding love because they're gonna mm-hmm. get worried and if you tell them now in person they're gonna try to stop you I mean imagine they're gonna be like why are you going to this far village for a man like no you don't even know him but would you rather stay here and be alone forever or might meet the love of your life mm-hmm. so Fasima was like fuck yeah bye and so she writes all her letters she comes the next morning super excited and she's just nervous so Leonardo is like okay give me the letters you wrote I'll mail those out once you're gone and you packed your stuff that's great here take a glass of wine because <laughs> you look so nervous you need to calm down your nerves before this trip and so Fasima was like oh my god thank you so much she starts chugging the wine and she notes that it's a little bit bitter and she's like oh this one's a little bitter and she started to feel super sleepy and she starts falling to the ground and Leonardo gets up grabs an axe from behind the counter and as Fasima starts getting drowsy Leonardo said sorry and slam the axe down but she wasn't looking because like i said she hates blood and this time it went into her shoulder so she let that this painful cry so then leonardo she's like fuck i gotta do it right so she opens her eyes and smacks it down on the top of her head she bonked her with an axe and then she proceeded to dismember her into nine separate pieces and hung her up in the back of the soap shop to drain her blood into these little like buckets like these basins underneath the dismembered body parts she Uh starts cleaning up the shop cleaning up the kitchen and she grabs the blood puts it on cookie trays and bakes them into the oven so that they can get like dehydrated because she needs to bake cookies with it or cakes with it so the protection spell only works if you sacrifice the life of another and the person you're trying to save consumes it and you've got their flesh and blood inside of you but also all over you and so she made these tea cakes mixed the blood with some flour some sugar some butter and made these little cakes out of it they were a bit dry they tasted very irony is what people said and her husband ate some. She ate some. She gave some to Giuseppe. And now the protection spell was inside of him, but needs it on the outside. So she starts putting all of her dismembered bloodless parts into a pot with some caustic soda, which is how she made soap. Mm. And so she started trying to dissolve these, you know, body parts. And it was super strong. Caustic soda is super crazy. It goes through like bones and hair eventually. Right. And now it's been hours. It's been on the pot. She looks into it and it's like this thick, dark mush. And she's like, 
what? You would think that she's disgusted by this because she just murdered someone, right? But she's like, that doesn't meet my standard of soap making. I'm a perfectionist. This is mm-hmm. this is disgusting. The spell is going to be shitty because this is a shitty soap bar. So she starts crying and just throws the sludge of remains down like the sewer. She was just huh. like, bye, friend, and just threw it down the sewer. And she just felt like she took a life without even saving her sons. It was all for nothing. So she's like, okay, well, I got to try again. She sent out the letters from Festima to all of her family members. And she even proceeded to gossip about Festima with all of the ladies at luncheon. They'd be like, what kind of man would want to marry an old woman? And she was like, I know, right? And they would all eat those tea cakes that she made. While wow. they're talking about Festima, they're eating Festima and they don't even know it. Well, that's what you get for talking shit, honestly. I'm kidding. <laughs> and so Leonardo starts believing, OK, wait a minute. The equal exchange rule was broken because I'm trading the life of this old, boring, sad lady for the life of my young, vibrant son. So I need someone who's happier. Right. So she decides on another woman by the name of Francesca, who was about 50 years old, but she had a pretty fulfilling life so far. She mm-hmm. was a school teacher. Her husband recently died but she had lived this entire life of being in love and all of these things with her husband and Mm -hmm. so um she had gotten fired from her job recently because she had left to take care of her husband and then he died and now she was broke and jobless Mm -hmm. so she's like well francesca i have a job opportunity for you come Mm -hmm. over to my shop and let me tell you about it so she comes over and she says there's this elite school in italy And I know this because, you know, high society women love my soap. And this is where the richest of Italians send their children. Mm -hmm. And they're looking for a live-in elite school teacher for children, for young girls. Mm -hmm. And I said you'd be the perfect fit. And they want to hire you. So you would have to move there. You would live in this place. Now, here's the crazy thing. You know how rich people are. They value their privacy. So they don't even want commoners to know that this school exists. They don't even want to act like it's an Ivy League. They're like, no, it doesn't even exist. It's a secret club. You can't tell anyone where you're going or what you're about to do or else they're going to fire you because that's their first thing. They value, you know, confidentiality. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what? Okay, that's perfect. This is the best thing ever. I I get to board with them. I get to live there. I get to eat there. I get to I get paid. Mm -hmm. Like, what else can I want? So she gets so excited. She packs her bags. She writes those letters that Leonardo told her to write. And she comes the next morning ready to start her trip. Her journey to the elite school. And that's when Leonardo's like, you look so nervous. You need to drink this glass of wine. Your nerves are going to get the best of you. So she hands her the glass of wine and she falls to the ground and she's passed out now. And this time Leonardo was like, well, with Festima, I didn't collect enough blood. So the tea cakes were a little dry. So this time she put the buckets around her before she even axed her. So none of the blood would get get wasted. She was trying to be like fucking sustainable and shit crazy and so she dismembers the body and this time she noticed something so Festima the older woman she was very frail she was really thin she was really just like a very petite woman Mm -hmm. but this time with Francesca she had like a layer of yellowish fat just like you were saying Uh, yeah that Festima didn't have and so she made biscuits and cookies from her blood and fat and it was good She said it was almost electric that you would take a bite and there was like almost like this static energy in your mouth. And she believed that she was tasting magic. Now, here's what's even crazier. Leonardo was actually a really good baker. Even to this day, there are world renowned bakeries in Italy that still use Leonardo's recipes. 
because she wrote a recipe book later. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Imagine like the soap recipe, the yeah. cookie recipe. People still use her recipes. I mean, obviously, minus like people go to Italy, they're tourists. Americans are like, uh, Stephanie told me that you guys are killing people <laughs> in the back. They're like, who the fuck is she, first of all? And no. <laughs> but yeah. like, you know, they still use her regular recipes. Isn't is that it crazy? also because of uh, she's a killer, serial killer? No, they don't even tell people it's her recipe. Her recipes are oh. that good. Yeah. Huh. That these like okay. b- like world renowned bakery chefs in Italy will still reference her recipes. Not because she's a killer. They don't even market it. They just, you know, she's got some good ass huh. recipes, okay. right? I think they're also super authentic. And so she started putting her into the soap mixture with the caustic soda. She made these cookies. Everyone ate them, said it was delicious. And when she looked at the soap mixture, it again didn't work. So she's like, what the freaking fork? So she, in a fit of rage, threw the pot on the ground, which is like really dumb. And she burnt her hands because she didn't use pot holders. So then she asked her son to help get rid of this soap sludge that was just a bad batch. And mm-hmm. he remembered throwing it down the septic tank, being like, this is a little weird, but didn't say anything about it because his mom's a little weird right so Mm -hmm. this is her new plan she needed to kill someone but it needed to be a sacrifice that was the whole part of the thing that she wasn't doing she didn't feel any guilt for these killings like she felt a little bit sad that her time was wasted and that she was running out of time before her son goes to the army but she didn't feel absolute grief and mourning for these people Mm -hmm. and that's not an equivalent sacrifice because she would feel grief and mourning if her son had died so she needed to kill someone that everyone in the community would be sad if they died and that she too would be sad if she died And so she chose a woman by the name of Virginia, who was a local celebrity. She was a talented singer. She even sang at famous opera houses all around Italy. And she finally retired. And she was a single woman because she had been working on her singing the whole time. So she came to live with her brother and her family in this small town. And she just was so kind and so humble, but also like super talented. So everyone loved her. Mm -hmm. At first, Leonardo really hated her because she was like, oh, no, all the townspeople care about her opinion. You know, what Mm -hmm. if her advice is different from mine? advice you know what if people go to her for advice but then one time virginia came in to buy soap at her soap shop and she said it was so hard to hate her like she just was so sweet and so humble and just like this really nice person like she never was uppity she just had all these these crazy thoughts that a lot of like small town people didn't have so leonardo loved talking with her like they would actually become best friends because they would talk about the life outside of small towns and Mm. leonardo would be like oh that sounds amazing you know Mm -hmm. and the friendship was also validating for her because if someone like virginia wanted to spend time with her then leonardo sure must be important Mm -hmm. right everything that goes against what her mom told her entire life and so she decided virginia had to be the next sacrifice so virginia stops by and tells her that she's leaving town one day to explore Italy and that is when she starts panicking and she's you know Virginia's like I want to perform more like I'm getting older I know but I just want to perform and do what I love until I die Mm -hmm. and so Leonardo's like you know what let me let me read your palms and so she reads her palms and she said oh I know where you should go Uh, okay let me look into this right and she was like okay that's a little bit weird now virginia leaves here's the thing with virginia she's um she's pretty smart so like the other two women they were incredibly desperate i think they were intelligent but they were desperate with virginia she's not that desperate she's just like whatever fine okay and so for the next couple of weeks she keeps telling virginia i have an opportunity for you and she starts feeding her little bits and pieces here and there she's like oh my god there's this very I can't believe I'm telling you this. I'm not supposed to tell you this, Virginia. Okay. So there's this really wealthy financier 
in Florence, you know, and he he set up all these opera houses. He donated most of the money to set up the opera houses that you've already sung at, and he just values his privacy right so he wants someone to manage his business affairs you know he needs someone to go into these opera houses make sure that they're conducting it the right way that they're doing everything correctly but Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to go because you know he doesn't want his face out there so Mm -hmm. he needs someone who knows the scene to manage all of this stuff you know god i can't even be telling you virginia stop i can't tell you these things and so virginia was like holding on to every word she's like oh my god in florence oh my god like that's right up my alley and so she was like yeah well i have been recommending you to him because he is a good you know client of mine he gets his fortunes read with me mm-hmm. and i said that you'd be a great option and he said that he's he's even seen you perform and he loved it and he would even maybe think about putting you back on the stage And so Virginia was like, oh, my God. Now, the thing is, Virginia wasn't that suspicious because, you know, she spent a lot of time around rich people. And she was like, this is literally what rich people sound like. They're they're fucking weird. And so she was like, this is amazing. So she does the same thing. She packs her bags. She writes her little letters and she goes to the soap shop. Now, she had noticed that the soap shop was closed and nobody was really around. So she thought it was weird. And she questioned Leonardo about it. Like, hey, uh, what's going on? I've got all my bags. Why is why are you closed today? Mm -hmm. And Leonardo was like, well, it's our last moment together so let's have a sip of wine and she gives her a red wine and virginia's like oh no it's fine like florence isn't too far like i want to make sure i'm clear-headed when i meet my new employer and she's like no drink the wine and she's like i don't want it and she's like drink the fucking wine virginia and they get into a fight and virginia's like jeez louise okay fine and she drinks the wine and passes out on the ground now this time leonardo does something a little bit different so virginia she did have money um mm-hmm. not a lot but she had more than what Leonardo made in a year in her suitcase. Like that was her life savings ready to go. Mm-hmm. She was wearing diamonds. She was wearing her fur. She was wearing the most expensive clothes. And so she pocketed all of it and even took off her expensive clothing and jewelry before she axed her up. And so she murdered her. Now she realized that she too had a layer of fat just like Francesca, but it wasn't yellow. It was more of like this milky, creamy texture than anything and so she gets excited and she was like i knew this was the perfect sacrifice and she made tea cakes out of her blood and started creating soap she even went into virginia's suitcase and grabbed the entire bottle of perfume virginia was wearing and put it in the soap and she quote said and i quote that woman was really sweet She said this was some of the best tea cakes and soaps she had ever made in her entire life. So she goes home with those soaps and tea cakes and she draws a bath for her old son, Giuseppe, full grown dude. Mm -hmm. And she demands that he get into the bath Mm -hmm. because she's going to wash wash him with soap like a full grown man. Could you imagine your mom coming up to you and be like, I'm going to I'm going (laughs) to like make you get naked and I'm going to wash you. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, you're weird. What's wrong with you, mom? Like, I'm not doing this shit. Like, this is why I want to leave. Like, what's wrong with you? Uh And she was like, no, I need to make sure that this soap touches every part of your body. And so he's like, no, I'm not going to No, like what's wrong with you. And so much fighting happened. And finally, he just gave in and just got into the bathtub naked. And she literally went all over him, like all over his pants with that soap it wasn't like 
sexual in nature from her perspective but i mean i can only imagine how traumatizing and violating it is right and so he said that he was super pissed he couldn't even look at her afterwards and then after he she force fed him those tea cakes because like could you imagine are you really in the mood to like eat your mom's cookies afterwards you're like fuck you mom right and so she force fed him tea cakes made out of virginia's blood and that was the virginia soap that she had used all over his body and Mm -hmm. it completely wrecked their relationship you know it just like things weren't going to be the same after that when you violate your full-grown son like that it's just it's gonna be weird and she wasn't dumb like she knew that he wasn't gonna love her after this but at least he would be safe at war so the next day she goes back to the soap shop and she starts gifting the soap bars to family and friends and they all said it was her best batch yet and she fed all the ladies her tea cakes. Now, this is when Virginia's sister-in-law starts getting suspicious because, you know, a couple of letters had come from a, like, nearby town's post office that, by the way, like, Leonardo had sent Giuseppe to go mail all of these letters. Okay. She got a couple of letters, but suddenly the letters stopped stopped coming, which is very not normal of Virginia because she was really close with her sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. So she starts investigating, finds out that Leonardo's super close with Virginia... And started asking her things. Now, Virginia's sister-in-law, here's something you need to know. She's a really religious woman. Super religious. Mm -hmm. And she goes to the soap shop, buys soap, asks Leonardo about that day. And Leonardo's like, you know what? Why don't I read your palms? Now, I'm not entirely sure what happened at that palm reading session. Mm -hmm. But that is when Virginia's sister-in-law realized Leonardo was guilty. Because her way of manipulating was insane. So I think when people went to read palms with Leonardo, they went in open-minded. But with her, with Virginia's sister-in-law, she went in very close-minded. First of all, she's religious. Second of all, she thinks that you like kidnapped her sister-in-law. She's not going to be like, ooh, let me just listen to everything you have to say, right? Mm-hmm. So she went in there and she'd be like, I am sad. And then Leonardo would be like, you know why I think you're sad? Because your sister-in-law is moving on with life without you. You know, mm-hmm. and it was just very like manipulative. She mm-hmm. was just like, this lady is really fucking good, right? Mm-hmm. With manipulating people. And she probably manipulated Virginia to maybe, I don't know, rob her. And so she starts just asking around all the neighbors and all of the neighbors said oh yeah i remember virginia going in that day like i remember she had her suitcase she was dressed like dressed in her best furs i remember that day now nobody had witnessed her leaving which nobody thought was suspicious because nobody's just waiting outside the soap shop waiting for the customers to go in and out Mm -hmm. it just said they were just doing their own thing so she starts going to the police and they start investigating and they start investigating not only her disappearance but festima and francesca's The police immediately confirmed that they were all with Leonardo the day that they all disappeared. And they start thinking about, okay, well, what's going on? What's going on? They question Leonardo. And she's like in her 50s. And she's like this old Italian woman. And they're like, did you kill them? And she's like, what are you talking about? Do you not know, you idiots, that most women in town have been to my soap shop and my house. And I've advised them all at one point. Like, this is nothing strange. And so they're like, you know what? It can't be her. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And Mm -hmm. so they start investigating the letters that were sent to the families. And when they asked the post office workers, they all said it was Giuseppe dropping them off. Uh So the police are like, well, this makes more sense. It's not this this old soap making fucking lady. It's her son that's like robbing these women or maybe even assaulting them. We, We don't know. And so they start investigating. They get a warrant. They search the entire house plus the soap shop. And they believed that Giuseppe killed them for their money because they found their suitcases of all their clothes and Virginia's furs, Virginia's diamonds. And he gets arrested, brought in, and Leonardo shows up and tells them to stop this nonsense because she's the real killer. And now all of them were like, listen, 
thank you but like italian moms do be doing that you know they'd be very protective of their sons so we don't really believe you lady like someone calm her down give her a cup of tea or some shit okay like we get it right we get it we understand and uh-huh. so she's like no i'm serious i'm dead ass and they're like okay cap no facts printer i don't even know okay i don't know what tiktokers are saying these days and so they're like they just don't believe her and she goes on to tell them the whole gruesome ass story she's like so then i found a smell spell and i axed them up by dismembering them i made these little tea cakes you want one and they're just like okay first of all your story kind of makes sense but it doesn't go along with anything like you are this 50 year old short little italian woman you don't have the strength to dismember people and Uh she said okay take me to the local morgue so they do and they find a dead body and she dismembered that dead body within like 10 minutes which is really astonishing that they let her do that but i think different times yeah yeah so she like dismembered that body she's like let me show you yeah let <laughs> i won't tell you let me show you yeah and so that's when everyone starts realizing what she did. And Giuseppe was there. He starts throwing up and he starts just fucking snitching on her. He was like, she's always been fucking crazy. Like, she's got all these books on witchcraft. Go search our place again. She's weird. She totally do this, did this. Like, he just really ratted her out and she didn't care. She was happily taken to jail because at least her protection spell on her son had been done. Now, the whole community, they turn on her. So Raphael tries to support her while she's in jail, but he was jobless. He was depressed. All of the kids, um, they left home. They changed their names, had no connection with their family anymore. And before trial even started for Leonardo, Raphael died. And Giuseppe went to war before trial without even saying goodbye to her. And the trial, I mean, she just seemed like she had lost it. She was making jokes about the murders. She was like losing her mind. She um, at one point, the prosecutor or whoever was like, do you even think like caustic acid can even dissolve a body to make soap? Like that just sounds so far fetched. Like, how do we know you're not making shit up? And mm-hmm. she got so pissed and she was like, fucking bring in a body and bring in the caustic soap and I will show the jury how you can dissolve it don't question my soap making abilities and they were just like okay so they found her guilty and they found her insane so she would spend a part of her sentence in a mental asylum and part of it in a prison do you remember that fortune teller reading on the right hand they see prison on the left hand they see a mental asylum and this is a self-fulfilling prophecy I'm not saying she was cursed. I'm just saying she needs all accountability for everything that she's done. But holy fork. And so she goes to prison first and she was doing really well in prison. Like she would read palms. She would give advice. She started working in the kitchen and baked goods and everyone loved her baked goods in prison. She wrote an autobiography slash recipe book while in prison. And those are the recipes that a lot of famous Italian bakeries still reference in their baking wow yeah they say it's some of the most authentic italian baking recipes ever written so then she gets um transferred to a mental asylum to finish out her sentence and this is when her seizures start up again she starts uh, losing her sight and she had hemorrhaging in her brain so she died in her sleep one year before she was to be released from the mental asylum and it's kind of ironic how she died so there was um she had caustic soda poisoning so the fumes of the caustic soda had gone into her brain and started like dissolving parts of her brain so then her brain would start bleeding And so it's ironic that how she murdered her victims was also how she ultimately came to die. So there's no record of what happened to her children because they all did change their names. There is record of Giuseppe entering the army and getting based in a foreign country. But um, that area where he was based, the Italian army got taken as prisoners of war. 
So in that area, right? So there's no record of him being on a prisoner of war list, his name. So a lot of people think that he died in battle. So the spell didn't even work. So it just ended up being all weird. See, I think this is really one of those stories of, um, first of all, don't kill people. Second of all, don't be a serial killer. But also, like you try to help someone so much that you end up just losing them anyway. Like, she lost him before he went to war with that whole mm-hmm. soap nonsense and going to jail mm-hmm. and ruining his life. So that's the story of the serial killer, Italy's first female serial killer, who happened to turn her victims into soap. Think about that when you use your body wash. And I'll see you guys on Wednesday for the main episode. And I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Let me know your thoughts, and I'll see you guys next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.